May we pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that the church is alive. We thank Thee that Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We thank Thee for the 22 years Thou hast given this particular body of Christ to carry out the gospel in this city, knocking on the doors, in the highways, in the byways, in the back lanes, in the back alleys, and out on the broad avenues of Bowling Green and Warren County. We thank Thee for the glorious gospel that has sounded out to the regions beyond in the state of Kentucky and these United States and across to the continents and isles of the sea. And we would dedicate ourselves afresh to Thee to carry out the glorious gospel, to do the work that God has called the Glendale Baptist Church to do. And may it be ever evident that the church triumphant is alive until Christ Himself shall come and catch that church unto Himself. We thank Thee and give Thee the honor and glory in Jesus' name, asking that the Holy Spirit would do His office work today in this place, convicting the lost and drawing the saved into a new sphere of service. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you be seated, please? Would you open your Bible, please, to John chapter 5, the fifth chapter of John. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made well of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there who had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there now a long time, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made well? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. For while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. Thirty-eight years and nobody to care. That's the story we just read. Thirty-eight years and nobody to care. A man, sick, lying at a pool, 
which tradition said had healing waters, and which once a year was troubled by an angel. The first person to get into that pool after the troubling of the water, according to that story, would be made well. And then Jesus came. And ignoring the tradition, saying nothing concerning the story concerning the angel troubling the water and the water having healing powers, Jesus looked beyond that. And he looked to the real need of that man. He said, if you really be, want to be made well, just rise up and take up your bed and walk. And by faith, that man got up and began to walk. Thirty-eight years and no one to care. Today, we look back over 22 years of the history of this church. We're tempted to dwell there, to just thank the Lord for all of the blessings of these years, to review and recite and to bring back into a memories portal all of the experiences of those early years and to recite names and lives of great persons who have been part of this fellowship and who have gone either to other assignments or to their assignment with the Lord. We also are tempted to look forward to those next years. We launched today our 23rd year. It is a real temptation to dwell on the next 23 years. For at the end of this 23-year span, the year 2000 will be here. And we could give today a challenge to this church that represents the 23 goals that are printed in the church bulletin. 100 prayer warriors, 100 soul winning teams, on to 500 in training union, 365 souls saved and baptized each year, on to 1,200 in Sunday school, 500 in the hour of power, 500 tithers, a weekly budget offering of $4,500, a complete liquidation of the bus debt, a reduction of the church indebtedness, an adult action for Christ that would enable this church to reach out to the regions beyond, bringing together a band of adults who could spiritual, be spiritual uh, bulwarks to form a basis for a brand new spiritual outbreak in the city of Bowling Green. A calling out of the called so that those who come into the fellowship of this place can hear the voice of God and could respond saying, here am I, Lord, send me. A study survey concerning the growth of this church. A content continuing census survey. An adequate staff to meet all the needs and to reach the people of the area. Acquiring additional uh, property and going on with our Christian high school and the building of a Christian gym and an activities building both for the school and for the church and a greater youth outreach and a greater university outreach and a weekly television ministry and a giving of 50% of our income to world missions and buses sufficient to reach not only this city but the entire area making the Lord's church as close as the street in front of everybody's house. But in the days ahead, we'll dwell on those goals. I feel impressed rather today to speak to you concerning the heartthrob of this man in the chapter we read.
38 years and no one to care. 38 years is a long time. We live today in an age when men think mostly of themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land and find men and women and boys and girls afraid, afraid to go on, afraid to live, afraid to die. They look on their right hand and on their left, and like David of old, they cry out from their soul, no man cares whether I live or die, whether I go to heaven or go to hell. Who cares about me? Some years ago, when I was a student at the seminary in Louisville, I saw a man downtown leaning across a counter talking to a little lady who was waiting on him. He was unshaven, had tattered clothes. Obviously, no one paid much attention to him. And he said to that little lady, it really doesn't make any difference whether I live or die. Nobody cares. And I learned later, a few weeks after that, he died and one person attended his funeral. I helped start a church in Pasco, Washington, in the Richland, Kennewick, Pasco area. One morning, we were on our way to a Bible school in Richland. I saw a little boy selling papers. He was Oriental, had black eyes. He looked into my eyes and he said, Mr., would you buy a paper? And I bought a paper. I said, listen, fella, we're having a Bible school over here. I'd like for you to come and be with us in the Bible school. He said, Mr., what's a Bible school? Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus, how to go to heaven, how to be saved. That little boy said, Mr., who is Jesus? A few years ago, I was in a revival meeting in a little town on the Ohio River, not far from Bowling Green. We were out visiting one afternoon, and in the back of a house, there were some children praying, playing, and there was a little boy named, I, I learned that his name was Bernie. He had dirty clothes, barefooted, face was dirty, no, no shirt on. I said, Bernie, I'd like for you to come to the revival tonight over at the Baptist church. That little boy said, Mr., what's a revival? Well, you know, I'm not used to telling people what a revival is. Everybody knows what a revival is. And I said, well, a revival is where we, uh, that's where we preach the gospel and sing about Jesus and we learn how to be saved and how to go to heaven and how to have Jesus in our heart. That little boy right here in Kentucky said, Mr., who is Jesus? Some years ago, when I was a student at Union University in Jackson, Tennessee, I served in Savannah. I was a mission pastor and associate pastor of that church. And we were having a revival meeting and one afternoon I was out visiting. Went to this home. There was a lady who came to the door about 23 years of age and I tried to talk to her about Jesus and she was indifferent, agnostic in her attitude. She invited me in and I opened my Bible and tried to show her how to be saved. She said, I just want to tell you I'm not interested in that. And she said, I'm not coming to the revival meeting. I'm not coming to church. But she said, if you could get the meanest woman in this town to come, I'd come. Well, I said, who is the meanest woman in this town? She said, she's my mother-in-law. And if you can get her to come, I'll come. I left there defeated, went out. I learned where she lived, and I thought, well, I'll just try. So I got another preacher to go with me. And we got in a car and drove out this road, and there was an old, unpainted house, looked like it hadn't been painted for 40 or 50 years. We stopped in front of it, and 
As we walked up to the house, a black cat crossed in front of us. Knocked on the door, and a little crack came in the door. And I saw behind that crack an old wrinkled face, some old eyes looking out at me. I said, how do you do? I'm Richard Oldham from the Baptist Church. Bang, went the door in my face. There I was, standing, trying to get in the door, and it was closed. So we left. But God put that woman on my heart. Months went by, and it was cold weather, and I drove out there again. I went up and knocked again on that door. Again, there came a little crack, and in those days I was pretty bold, and I put my foot in that door. I said, I'm Richard Oldham from over at the Baptist Church. I'd like to come in and talk to you about Jesus. She didn't say a word. I took my Bible and went in and sat by her. There was an old pot-bellied stove in there, and two or three black cats running around the floor, and she went over and sat in a rocking chair behind the stove. I drew a chair up and sat down next to her. She just looked down at the stove, and I opened my Bible to the third chapter of John. I put it down in her lap. I tried to tell her how much God loved her and how God would save her if she'd open her heart. She didn't say a word, not one single word, not a thing. She just looked at that stove, didn't say anything. I talked to her and tried to explain the best way I knew how. After a while, I got down on the floor and prayed that God would save her, and I left. Weeks turned into months, and the spring came. I drove out that way again. And this time, as I drove by her house, I saw her sitting on the front porch in a swing. And I said, Lord, please help me. I parked my car and went up, sat in the swing next to her, and put my arm up around that swing, around her. I opened again to the third chapter of John, and I put my Bible over in her lap. I said, Miss Williams, God loves you, and I love you. And I want to see you saved. God doesn't want you to go to hell. He doesn't want you to be lost. He loves you. And I saw a tear trickle down through those wrinkles, and it fell on my Bible. And it wasn't very long until Nettie Williams, who had spent 83 years living for the devil, opened her life to Jesus Christ. Later, we had the joy of seeing her baptized in the fellowship of that church. And still later, we received word that she had gone home to be with Christ. They asked me to come back for the funeral. As I stood in that funeral place that day in that church, the place was packed and jammed. I learned that the transformed life of those few months had had an influence on the lives of many. And during that service, several people got saved, and one of the grandsons surrendered his life to preach the glorious gospel, and he's preaching down in Hardin County, Tennessee today. Why? Because that woman who looked on her left hand and on her right and cried out from her soul, no man cares whether I live or die, whether I go to heaven or go to hell. Nobody really cares. Finally, there was an evidence in her heart that God cared about her. God loved her. The burden of this message today, who cares if men are lost? Who cares whether, whether men go to heaven or go to hell? The man in the Scripture, 38 years, nobody cared. The lady in Savannah, 83 years, and nobody cared. Out here in the city of Bowling Green, there are men and women and boys and girls behind doors. And they looked on their right hand and on their left. They're busy in their business. They're busy in their profession. They're busy in their school. They're busy in their work. And they cry out from their soul, who cares? Nobody really cares. 
And I want to say to you the message of the Glendale Baptist Church, the message of this book, the message of the heart of the believer is, yes, somebody does care, but I tell you, we look around and there's a lot of evidence of people who do not care. Have you ever been out discouraged and distraught and you were sinking in despair and you looked for some friend who would understand, some counselor who would understand and you felt that nobody really cared? How much worse it is to be out in the night of sin, out in the storm of sin, out in the sea where there is no help and you see no anchor and you see no rope, no lifeline and your soul cries out, nobody cares. That's the pitiable plight of the people with whom we deal day by day by day by day. And they hide it all behind a visage of nonchalance and of, of indifference and agnosticism and, and busy schedules. But deep down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Wakened by kindness, cords that are broken could vibrate once more. Thomas Gray, walking through a country churchyard one day, paused beside an unmarked mound. With pen in hand, with terrific prophetic insight, he said, perhaps in this neglected spot is laid some heart once pregnant with celestial fire, hands that the rod of empire might have swayed or wake to ecstasy the living liar. What was he saying? He was saying maybe in this grave there's somebody who died a nobody, who could have been a somebody for God and society and man, but he died without hope because nobody got to him with the glorious gospel. Who cares whether men live or die, whether they go to heaven or go to hell? Well, I want to tell you, the Sunday amusement crowd, they don't care. While their preacher on Sunday night is preaching his heart out, trying to win the lost to Christ, and a band of people have gathered together to sing the songs of Zion, and yet people are out coasting down the river on a Sunday afternoon or sitting before the God of a television or just running here and there doing nothing. They don't really care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those ladies that spend their afternoons at bridge parties sucking their cigarettes, they don't really care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. Those men and women and young people who guzzle their beer and drink their whiskey and yet their name is on a church book somewhere, they don't really care whether men live or die, whether they go to heaven or go to hell. We're surrounded today by people who have no concern, have no care, have no compassion. And I want to ask you today, do you care? Do we really care? Does this church care? Do I care? Do we care enough? to say, Lord, here I am, use me. Well, I want to say, to God be the glory, God cares. God cares over the souls of men. This book says, in the beginning God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female created he them. God stood back and he said in the last of chapter 2 of Genesis, God saw that everything he made was good, very good. And then sin came. And sin with its terrible serpent hiss, bit at the lives of Adam and Eve because they fell and yielded to sin's temptation. Death passed upon all mankind, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. The law of God argued man as a sinner must be judged for his sins. There's an old Jewish tradition that says when God was ready to make man, the angel of justice came before the throne of God and said, O God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his life will be filled with injustice. 
the angel of purity came before the throne of God and said, O God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his body will be filled with impurity. The angel of truth came before the throne of God and said, O God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his mouth will be filled with lies and hypocrisies and untruths. The angel of mercy came and said, O God, create man, for when thou hast created him, his mouth is filled with impurity and his life is filled with injustice and inhumanity and so on. I'll go and take sinful man by the hand and I'll take you by the hand and I'll put you back together. That angel of mercy personifying the love of God in Jesus Christ. For man deserved death and hell and sin's wages, but God so loved. He loves you. 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 He loves every one of us. There's not one man, one woman within the sound of my voice. There's not a little boy over in the preschool service. There's not a little girl over in the children's service that God does not love. God cares. But not only does God care, this book says that Jesus, the Son of God, cares over the sons and sins of men and over the souls of men. How much does he care? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How much does Jesus care? I wish we could find the founders of all the religions of the world, Buddhism, Confucianism, Shintism, and all the others, Mohammedanism, and so on. Bring them to this place. Examine them carefully. We would not find one of them who was willing to die for the adherence of his faith. Rather, Muhammad had thousands of people killed who refused to come under his cloak. But the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus our Lord, went to Calvary's cross. And there between heaven and earth, he looked upon a world and he had pity upon men in sin. And he said, Oh, Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal transaction that whosoever would believe in Jesus would not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, Jesus cares. Safe were the ninety and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold. But said the shepherd, when counting the more, one sheep is missing. There should be one more. Shepherd went out to search for his sheep, and all through the night on the rocky steep, he sought till he found him. With love bands he bound him, and I was that one lost sheep. Jesus cares. I'm so glad. But this book says not only does God the Father care and Jesus the Son care, but the Holy Spirit cares over the souls of men. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because ye believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit cares like the hound of heaven. He searches us out in our sins, in our waywardness, and as we turn him away, he comes again and again and appeals for us to come to Christ. How many in this room could say, Pastor, the very first time I ever heard about Jesus, I accepted him. I received him. I asked him to come into my heart. Most of us would have to say, no, it wasn't like that. The first time I heard about him, I put him off. Another time I heard about him, I put him off, and I spurned his love again and again and again. 
But you see, Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, cares about you, and so he tracked you down, and he went after you, and he went after you like the hound of heaven until one day he found you in a quiet place where you could meet the Master face to face. That's the way the Holy Spirit cares. Aren't you glad? Do you remember how much he cared for you to bring you to Jesus? If you're here today and you're without Jesus, the Holy Spirit has brought you within the sphere of this service today to draw you to Christ because he cares. But listen, brother, the, this book says not only does God the Father care and God the Son care and God the Holy Spirit, he cares. But in a way that's beyond my understanding, this book tells us that the damned in hell care over the souls of men. We read in Luke 16 that awful story of the rich man who died and went to hell. And in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. He saw Abraham far off and he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. I'm tormented in these flames. There came a voice back from the other world saying, Son, remember, in thy lifetime thou didst have good opportunities, but now there's a great gulf fixed between us and you. There's no transference. Then that rich man in hell cried out, Oh, oh, Father Abraham, would you send Lazarus back to my home? I have five brothers, lest they come to this awful place. I want to submit to you on the authority of the Word of God. There's not a man in hell that wants his son to come there. There's not a woman in hell that wants her daughter to come there. There's not a boy or girl in hell that wants mom or dad to come there, or brother or sister. There's not anybody in hell that wants a wife or a husband there. They'd give everything they possess if they could come back to the pulpit of Glendale Baptist Church and shriek and cry from the eternities of the abyss and say, oh men, oh women, don't go to hell, don't go to hell, because the lost in hell care. I think sometimes they care more than we care. They're concerned more than we're concerned. Sometimes I wish I could go to heaven. But I think I hear the voice of Jesus saying to me every once in a while, Richard, you ought to go to hell. Just live there for five minutes and you'd come back to Bowling Green. That church might put you out. They might not put up with you. But I'll tell you, you'd be ablaze to warn men and women to get that church to do everything possible to warn men to turn from sin and come to God by faith through Christ. And then the Bible says that the saved in heaven care over the souls of men. In Luke chapter 14, 15, Jesus said, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents, more than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. I don't understand this, but somehow over an arena of heaven, there's a great grandstand, and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Moses and Abraham, Matthew, Mark and Luke and John and Paul and James and all the others are there. Grandma and Grandpa are there. The uncles and aunts are there. Brothers and sisters are there. And every once in a while, God seems to pull back the veil that hides eternity, hides earth from eternity. God seems to let those look over the balconies and battlements of heaven down on the earth. And somebody over there who has prayed for a friend, for a loved one, for a son or for a daughter in the earth, They've gone on to glory without seeing that prayer answered. God will say, wait a minute. 
I want to show you what's going to happen today. Look down there at that Glendale Baptist Church. In a moment, they're going to have an invitation. And that person that has put off Christ, God's Spirit is dealing with them. And they're going to be drawn to Christ. And all heaven watches. And when the invitation is given, and some man, some woman, some boy, some girl gets up and comes and says, yes, I want Christ in my life. I yield myself to him. Then all of heaven rejoices. And they sing that great song, ring the bells of heaven. There is joy today for a soul returning from the wild. See, the father meets him out upon the way, welcoming his weary, wandering child. Glory, glory, how the angels sing. Glory, glory, don't you hear them sing? Over in heaven, they care over the souls of men. There are loved ones in the glory whose dear forms we often miss. When we close the earthly story, will we join them in their bliss? One by one, their seats were emptied. One by one, they went away. Now the circle has been broken. Will it be complete one day? You can picture happy gatherings around the fireside long ago, and you think of tearful partings when they left you here below. Will the circle be unbroken in the sky by and by? How much do you care? If you're here today and you're not saved, do you care enough to say, Lord, I want to repent of my sins. I want Jesus in my heart, in my soul. If you're here and you're saved, do you care enough to say, Lord, I want to renew my commitment to win the lost at any cost, to go after the unsaved, to do what I can, to hold the line to bring folks to Jesus. If you're here in your letters in some other church, God has spoken to you. Do you care enough to say, I want to cast my lot on the beginning of the 23rd year of the ministry of Glendale Baptist Church with this church to go out after the lost, to reach the unsaved, to do what I can, to blend my life with others in trying to bring folks to Jesus? Do you really care? May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Our Father in heaven, help us to care. Oh God, put upon our hearts by the gift of the Holy Spirit a heart that is concerned, compassionate, and cares. May those who are here without Jesus come to Christ. Those who are already saved, May they come saying, I want to yield myself in a new way to be a winner of souls to Christ, God helping me to do it. And some who are here and need a church home, may thy spirit deal with their hearts and draw them. And some who listen by radio today, oh God, help them to just right now say, here's my life, Lord Jesus, I yield it to thee. We ask it for thy glory in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand, please? I'd like to request that no one leave during the singing of this hymn. We'll be through in a few moments. Please do not leave the auditorium. Just stay right with us. God is speaking to our hearts. Now I want to ask you this. Every head, all of us, let's just bow our heads in prayer a moment. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, the choir is going to sing. You can sing with them with your eyes closed. I'm praying. If you do, I want to ask you if you'd be willing to say, I care. 
And on the beginning of this 23rd year of the history of this church, the ministry of this church, out to the regions beyond, and in the city of Bowling Green, I want to offer my life again to God to be a soul winner. I want to say, Jesus, use me for thy glory. I care about people. I want God to love through me. I want God to work through me. To, and I want to serve him. I care about people. I care about their spiritual needs. I care about their eternity. I care about their soul. And I want to just say, Lord, please use me in the next weeks and months and years to reach people for Christ. I'd like to ask you if you care enough to just come and stand here at the front with head bowed and eyes closed to present yourself as one who cares, as one who cares enough to say, I, I don't want souls to go to hell. I want to see them saved. I want them to come to Christ. Maybe you have somebody special on your heart and you just come and pray for that person by name and just stand here and pray while we begin to sing that first stanza, who will come? While we wait, would you step out for Christ? Just come and stand here in prayer. While others are coming, you who have come, would you just pray? Talk to God out of your heart. Would you do it? God bless you for this. Now just a moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Dear Lord Jesus, you've looked upon this scene. You see these who care. Some of these have somebody special on their hearts. Oh, God, touch those that are on their hearts. I pray that you'll touch us with winsomeness and with love and with understanding and with the Spirit of Jesus, that we might have His Spirit as we go into a world that doesn't care with a heart that cares, a heart of Jesus. God, help us to care. Anoint us with Thy Spirit to do the work we're reporting for duty to do. And God grant that the future of this church will be a future of caring, a future of love, a future of reaching down to the human heart, drawing people to Christ. In Jesus' name. I remain in prayer. All of you who have come forward, you stand here praying, please. I want to ask everybody in this auditorium who can say, Richard, I am saved. Christ is in my heart. I know he's in my heart. Jesus lives in me. If I died today, I'd go to heaven. Not because I'm good. Not because I turned over a new leaf or because I joined a church. But because Jesus is in my heart. He has forgiven my sins. I've been born again. I know the Lord. And I know 
he will keep that which I've committed unto him. You know that. If that's true, lift your hand. You know you're saved. You're God's child. God bless you. God bless you. With our hands, hands down now, please. Thank you. We're going to, we just rejoice in this. With our heads bowed, I wonder how many in this room could say, Pastor, I've never, I don't really know whether I'm saved or not. But I care. I care about my own soul. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to disregard the love of God in Jesus. I don't want to say no when he says go. I care about my own heart, my own life. Pray for me, please. I'd like to be saved. Would you slip your hand up and hold it a moment and then take it down? Is there somebody here who would say that? I'm concerned. And I don't want to be lost. God bless you. God sees you. Is there somebody else? I'm lost. I want to be saved. Pray for me. I need Jesus. Would you slip your hand up and hold it a moment? And then take it back down. Anyone, anywhere. Wherever you are. God sees your hand. God bless you. Is there another? Now while we wait a moment. I want to ask you who lifted your hand. You need Jesus. You want him in your heart, don't you? If you'll ask him, he'll come in right now. Would you do that? Just say, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want to receive you as my Savior now. Now, while everyone is in prayer, I wonder how many Christians there are who would say, Pastor, I really need a church home, or I need to recommit my life to Christ, or I need to get active for God, or I need to start serving the Lord. Pray for me. I really ought to do it today. Pray, because I care. And I want God to show me what to do about it. Would you lift your hand and hold it a moment and then take it down? God bless you. 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 Yes, God bless you. Yes, the Lord bless you. God sees your hand. Is there another? God bless you. Is there another? Now you who lifted your hands, would you pray right where you stand? And I want to pray for you. But you pray in your heart and ask God to show you what to do about this. You ought to do it today. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I want to ask you if you'd just say, Jesus, I want to get on the firing line for God. I want to serve the Lord. I want to get going for God. Lord, if I've never been saved, I want to be saved now. And Lord, if I am saved, I want to move my letter. I want to take a stand for the Lord. I want to recommit my life and vows to Jesus. Would you tell him that? Tell him in these words, Dear Lord Jesus, standing here at Glendale Baptist Church this morning, as this church launches the 23rd year of its ministry in this city, I felt God speak to me. Lord, if I've never been saved, I want Jesus to save me today, and I call on him to come into my heart. And Lord, if I've already been saved, I want to give you what's left of my life. I want to give you the years ahead because I care. I know God cares. Here's my life, Jesus. Take it. 
our Father, help these to come to you right now while we wait, while we pray. Help them to step out for Christ now. In Jesus' name. We remain in prayer. I'm going to ask Chuck to come and sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. And while we wait, there are others that ought to come. You ought to come and move your letter. You say, how do I do that? You just come and stand here. I'll show you what to do next, but just come and stand with these others. Our clerk will write for your letter. But your coming means a spiritual rededication, a commitment to the Lord to start serving God in this place. Others ought to come and say, I want to get on the battle line to serve the Lord. And still others ought to come and say, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. While we wait, who step out first for Christ, will you come on?